Bigfoot Society would like to thank the following sponsors for helping make the podcast possible. The Singular Fortean Society has combined open and honest paranormal investigation and journalism since 2016. Visit the Society at Singular Fortean for all the latest weird news and more. Come with us and investigate the impossible. Welcome to a very special episode of the Bigfoot Society podcast. I'm going to start doing a thing every month at the end where I'm going to share from the massive amount of interviews that I do throughout the month. Uh, one, because they're just, they're too good not to share. Like, there's some of them where it's killing me to have to keep them in the Patreon. I, I mean that 100% with all sincerity. So I'm going to I'm gonna share snippets from all the different interviews that I've done for the Bigfoot Society Patreon. So it's kind of like a uh, clip show, but also like a preview at the same time. I'm going to do this at the end of each month, uh, even though it's March 1st. So kind of, you know, last minute a little bit there, but bear with me. It's going to be worth it. Also, super huge news before we get into that. Uh, and if this is your first episode, this is not a normal episode. So my name is Jeremiah Byron. I interview uh, people, uh, researchers, Bigfoot researchers, cryptozoology researchers, people that are in the cryptozoology niche somehow, uh, everyone from Cliff Berrickman to uh, the um, Expedition Bigfoot team to uh, the um, uh, camera guys, Evan B. Stone and Brian C. Weed from Destination Truth, uh, all over the place, uh, researchers, um, yeah, the list just d goes on and on. And I've got some crazy stuff coming down the pipeline. Uh, I can't say right now, but um, got some cool ideas. So a normal episode would be me talking to um, a person involved with cryptozoology and getting their their actual story. For example, the episode with Dr. Meldrum that'll come out at the end of March is probably one of the most fun episodes that I've I've had so far. And uh, it really goes into some, I think, really unique stories that you won't hear anywhere else. I had a lot of fun, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Something I've always wanted to do so far, and... Uh, <clears throat> finally was able to pony up and do it is to get a mailbox get a p.o box so i'm going to put this in the show notes but if you want to send your old friend jeremiah bigfoot society something which i sh i think you should uh it, it can be anything from a letter i mean if you can write a letter do that and, and i'm gonna have an end of the month uh unboxing video on YouTube. It's going to be awesome. So if you want to read, write me a letter, I'll read the letter. I'll, I'll, if you want to send me a card, I'll read the card. Uh, you want to send me anything cool that's Bigfoot related, Bigfoot books, Bigfoot shirts, any cryptid shirts at all. Uh, feel free to send them to me. Uh, I'll wear your stuff. I've got no shame. I need a good hood sweatshirt, guys. Need some good hats. I mean, this uh, this small town monsters one is actually in really good shape. But uh, send me the shirts, send me the hood sweatshirts. I'll I'll wear your stuff on the podcast. I've got no shame. Also, um, 
if you are someone who makes stuff on Etsy and you or you write a book, you're an author, anything like that, if you want me to review stuff, uh, send it in. Now, I'm not saying that you sending it in for a review is going to guarantee that, um, that, you know, I'm going to interview you, but I will check it out and, uh, you know, we'll see. You'll, you'll at least get a shout out in the end of the month, uh, video, which is pretty cool. And even a little, you know, Etsy makers, if you want to make a special coupon code to, uh, send in with that, you know, if you're going to send in stuff, I'll put your coupon code and link your stuff in the show notes of the YouTube. So it's going to be a pretty cool thing every month. It's going to be awesome. Also, if you just want to send me a cool stuff and you really want to make my day, I'll give you a secret. I really like the movie Back to the Future, like a ton. So if you want to make me just go crazy, have a great day, and send me something with Back to the Future, uh, something related to the movie Back to the Future. And if you don't know what that movie is, then shame on you and you need to go watch it. It's a great movie. Great trilogy. Let's get down to it. Uh, I want to talk about the last year of Bigfoot Society. It's crazy. It's almost been a year since we really kicked things off. Since I first had that episode with Yami from Crypto Chat Girl, which I am always thankful for her coming on and being the first real guest, I would say, of when things really kicked off. I had guests before that, and I even got to talk to Seth Breedlove before that, which is amazing. But when I really started going for it during pandemic, almost a year ago, uh, it's crazy to see how far we've gotten. And I just want to take a few minutes to say thank you so much for all the, the friends and the colleagues that I've made in the cryptozoology space. Um, I'm going to try to take a minute to, to shout out some people, and this is very dangerous. If I don't catch your name, please don't get um, don't get offended. But right off the bat, I'm thinking Yammy. Greg is the number one MVP. All the weird. Uh, Order 66 podcast. Also, Matt, Matt Shang is on there as well. Amazing. Jeff from Strangeology, such a cool guy. Amazing content on YouTube. My boy Carter, Mysteries Obscure. You got to check out his YouTube channel. It's so good. You got to get the new Moth Boy, uh, Moth Man Learns the ABCs book from Danner and Mike. Michael, it's so, so good. My kid reads it every day. I'm not even kidding. Uh, shout out to if you like amazing documentaries, you, of course, got to watch Small Town Monsters. Uh, thank you so much to Mark Matsky, to Seth, to Andy, to all those cool guys and girls with Small Town Monsters. You're making some amazing quality footage documentary documentaries i love it this i am so scared that i'm i'm missing names right now guys i'm i'm terrible um 
I mean, the list goes on and on. People that have just been amazing that I, I can't believe I didn't really know a year ago. People like Alex Petikoff, uh, Lauren from Nightcallers, Tate Hieronymus, uh, not related to Bob Hieronymus. Such a cool guy. Jonathan Easley. Man, the guy has amazing stuff on his YouTube channel related to Bigfooting and Bluff Creek. You got to check out Western Bigfoot Exploration on YouTube. The list just goes on and on and on. And the people that take the time every Wednesday to hang out on Clubhouse. Uh, man, it, it blows my mind. Kenzie is, is phenomenal. Such a, a cool new podcaster. Uh, you got got to check out her stuff. Check it out on the Crypto Chats podcast. Uh, it, it it's good. It's good. And a big shout out again to everyone else who's who's hanging out in the Bigfoot Society Clubhouse every Wednesday night, nine thirty p.m. Uh, Keith Rollins, such a cool dude. We got Tactical Bigfoot Research, Mike. Uh, we got Chris from Alien Zoo Podcast, Nicolette from Your Best School. Uh, and every week it gets it gets more fun and more fun. I know I am uh, missing people, and I apologize. If I, if I forgot to shout you out, I have made the, the bottom line guys is I've made so many amazing contacts and friends through this people like Connor Anderson, Melissa Berkman, Cliff Berkman. Like I can actually say that I have chatted with them and that I, I consider them friends and it, it, it blows my mind just that to go from a year ago where <clears throat> I literally was just um, down in my basement talking into my phone about Bigfoot, recording it, hoping that someone would check it out, seeing that I got one download. And now we're almost a year later and we're about, we're almost uh, at the point where we're hitting 40,000 downloads since that point, less than a year ago. And that just blows my mind. And I, I thank ev each and every one of you that take the time out of your weekend, your week, to listen to the different episodes. And I especially want to thank uh, all the members of the Bigfoot Society Patreon. You all are simply fantastic. I appreciate the support each and every one of you um, provide for the podcast uh, every month. Uh, Jacob, uh, Connor, Daniel, Coco, Greg, Josh, Surfetes, you all are amazing. And uh, I'll be honest, there's sometimes I wouldn't do this unless I had a group uh, behind me pushing me every step of the way. And I, I really appreciate every every one of you. Thank you, guys. Well, guys, let's get on. Let's get on with uh, sharing some clips from... Uh, some of the interviews I haven't shared so far from uh, from the month of February. Uh, these are interviews that are specifically for uh, inside the Bigfoot Society Patreon. If you want to listen to the whole thing of these interviews, 
It's five dollars a month, but yeah, let's uh, let's get to it and see what we've got first. Our first uh, interview that I'm going to share a clip from was with Mr. Jonathan Odom, who uh, we started a series for the Patreon in February where. Each month, I'm going to go through a different state in the U.S. and talk to uh, hopefully one of the best uh, Bigfoot researchers, maybe more, is at least it's two parts. Uh, sometimes I talk to an author as well. Um, but, uh, of course, alphabetically, the first state is Alabama. Uh, Mr. Jonathan Odom from Alabama Paranormal and Bigfoot. And I've got his uh, Facebook group and his YouTube group linked in the uh, show notes for this. But one of the coolest guys, I just, uh, I, a cool dude, I would hang out with him 100%. I'd go squatching with him, probably even have a beer with him. Uh, Jonathan, if you're listening to this, keep up the good work, man. You are making a difference, and you're a cool dude. But I, I really want to share this little clip from you. It's an awesome interview. It's about 40 minutes long, and he shares some amazing stuff. I'm going to share a little clip that I, I thought was very interesting for you. Going back to the the previous story, when you're talking about the one that you saw with Mange, were you actually able to look in its uh, face then? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It... It, it, do we describe it or yeah go ahead yeah that would be amazing yeah, yeah. It, it it was very it was human but it was not human if that makes sense mm, okay yep yep and, and and when it came it came out left to right it came out looked over at me walked and and went into and that was what was odd about the, the other ones that I have seen have had a lot of hair, you know, nothing but hair. You could see the face. Uh, the one mm. I saw had the like the mongoloid across the, the top looking. This one, okay. it, it did. It does that make sense when I say it looked human, but it didn't yes. look human. Yes, it does. Yes. Yep. Yes. Uh, and it was just, you know, I don't know. My impressions just, I felt like it was just old and didn't care. Mm, interesting and, then, and so one of the hunters at that camp his mother 80 years old actually saw the same one 10 years ago and no that's way. how i knew yeah and i've been able to chlorate it with all the people that have hunted in this hunting camp and talk about it it's whenever you have somebody to back see the same thing you you've seen it makes it it, it just it makes it even better to me because you've got more than one witness you know I really like that interview with uh, Jonathan Odom. Uh, the whole interview is is crazy. It's 40, 40 minutes of craziness. I love it. Uh, another another thing we do in the Patreon is we have a series called uh, Science vs. Cryptozoology. Uh, I can't play clips from all these because there's some times where... Um, the subject that I interview, uh, we have to keep it a little behind the curtains uh, just because um, the scientist doesn't want themselves out in, let's say, the open, uh, which is understandable. Uh, however, one of the interviews that I did in the month of February is Mr. Tony Gerard. Um, biology teacher, uh, former BFRO investigator, and also uh, 
worked on uh, the show Monster Quest as well. Uh, did not know all of that going into the interview. Fa figured that out uh, pretty quick. And, uh, man, this interview with Mr. Gerard, uh, very fascinating. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a clip from this interview uh, next, but uh, some really crazy stories in this one. He said there was one guy in town, and I'll use the guy's name because he's dead now, Paul Shibago. And Paul Shibago was older than he was. And he said it was kind of weird. He said, because if anybody was, uh, I was in the, the barber shop or the cafe and somebody started giving me a hard time about Bigfoot, started teasing me about it. He said, Paul Shibago would just jump to my defense about there's thousands of miles of wilderness out there. You don't know mm. what anything could be out. And he said it was a little bit awkward. He said, because Paul and I were like friendly acquaintances but it wasn't like we were fishing buddies or anything, you know, and he would just get really irate on my behalf. And uh, so several years after that, Paul Shabaga eventually got Parkinson's disease. Oh, dear. Yeah. And when he did, he had to move to uh, an area to a, a bigger town that I think was about an hour and a half south of there and to an assisted living thing. Okay. And he said, one day out of the blue, Paul called me, which was weird because Paul had never called him. They weren't that kind of friends and said, well, when are you going to be down here again? And he said, well, you know, probably be down here sometime next month, you know, because it was the place where if you were going to the dentist or whatever, you had to go. And he, he said, well, when you do, I want you to come by and stop and talk to me. There's something I need to tell you about. And said, as the longer they talked, Paul just kind of got more worked up and finally said, I'm just going to tell you, I'm just going to tell you. Oh, man. So here's Paul Shabaga's Bigfoot story. Okay. And you've probably heard this. Anyway, in 1941, he was poaching moose with his uncle and his cousin. And when I say poaching moose, they were hunting in a restricted area. Okay. But I think okay. they said at that time there was one game warden for 1,500 square kilometers or something. So they weren't that worried about getting caught. And they had, uh, the cousin and the uncle had gone one way that morning and he'd gone another way. And I don't know if you've ever been up to Manitoba, at least that part. It's not big, dense, coniferous forest like you'd think. It's little bitty trees and a lot of water. It's very boggy and swampy. Oh, really? Yeah, it's very hard to walk 100 yards in a straight line without running into a bog or something like that. So it's very dense. And that morning, Paul had shot a cow moose, but he gut shot her. So he'd shot it, but not fatally. And he's trailing this moose. And, you know, a, a, an animal wounded like that very often, they'll go and they'll lay down. Well, he's trailing the moose, but it's so thick that every time he gets close, the moose hears him and gets up and moves again. So all day long, he's been trailing this wounded moose. And finally, as I recall, uh, Joe said it was like three in the afternoon. Paul came upon what he thought was the moose facing directly away from him. He's looking at the moose's butt. Okay. Now, if you're a, a hunter, a deer hunter, you may know that if an animal, if a deer, an elk or whatever is facing directly away from you, actually the best shot you can put on it is right through the anus. If you can shoot oh, really? it here, it's facing directly away from you that hits the heart and both the, the blood vessels going to the lungs. Oh, wow. So it's a pretty fatal shot. So he lines up where he thinks is the anus of the moose. He shoots it. It drops right away. He went over there and he had shot a big foot right through the spine and killed it dead. What? Yep. And no, through, like through the moose? No, there was no moose. 
It was a oh. Bigfoot. The oh. Bigfoot was apparently what, what he took to be the moose's butt. He said the Bigfoot was standing with a foot on either side of the blood trail. What? And he took it to be bent forward. And what he oh took to be the goodness. moose's butt was actually the shoulders of the Bigfoot. And the head was below shoulder level. Really? And so he shot it through the spine and killed it. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, and of course, I'm this is third hand. I'm relating what Joe said that he said. But he said, man, I had never heard of a Bigfoot. I'd never heard any native legends of a Bigfoot. He said, and I thought I had killed an insane native guy. Wow. That was crazy and had gone wild and lived in the woods and ate raw meat until he grew giant and hairy. And he said, I looked at it for about five minutes and then I just walked off and left it. And as I no recall, way. yeah, as I recall, uh, Joe said, uh, you know, that Paul said, I, I haven't told anybody this except for my wife until I'm telling you now. Now, after after he started telling it, apparently Paul Shabaga would tell anybody that would listen once he because <laughs> it. it's in there's a BFRO report of it. Uh, OK brought me into the bfro did he even hired a police forensic sketch artist to go talk to paul and do a sketch from it and that's on the bfro website okay the book uh strange creatures seldom seen about cryptids in manitoba um it it tells paul's story uh, such an interesting story from mr tony gerard um and uh that by itself, that's an hour-long interview. He goes into way, way more stories. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, don't get me started on that. But uh, such just a fun, fun uh, talking to, to Mr. Tony Gerard there. I'll put a link to uh, the book he mentioned in the uh, the show notes as well. Our uh, second part of the uh, Alabama series, Alabama Cryptid series in the um, Patreon was Mr. Will Elric, the author of Alabama Lore. We had a very interesting uh, discussion about uh, cryptids in Alabama, Bigfoot, all sorts of stuff, and some uh, weird paranormal stuff as well. But uh, go ahead and uh, enjoy the portion of his interview. Well, the Alabama white thing... Is actually what everyone describes as its appearance. Um, ah. You can you can definitely feel its presence there. I had one gentleman who was a uh, deer hunter. He was in his tree stand, looking across the field, and he saw it come out of the woods. And he said it was like a bigfoot that was on four legs, but it was bright oh. white. Really? Uh, when it stood up, it was about ten feet tall. Wow. Had a great uh, chat, a 40-minute chat with uh, Mr. Elric about his book and the different lores and legends of uh, Alabama. Uh, you have to check out his book in the show notes. Uh, got a link there for you. We also had an uh, interview with Jack McClellan, a documentary filmmaker from down in Florida, about his Bridges documentary that had to do with the Florida skunk ape. We're going to play a section of that interview uh right now but the the region definitely is uh like appropriate like it, it is definitely something i could see a skunk ape existing within because there is plenty of you know nasty or well i guess it depends on your idea of nasty but <laughs> right kind of that you know just dreary 
wet, you know, and sometimes it can get a little dry around here, but there's never a source of water is never too far. And, and it's not just water, but just in general, kind of that general, you know, land, the, the, the map, I don't know, the, just how the environment would, it would suit the environment well for the skunk apes around here and the trees, you know, it's, it's, there are so the forests around here can get so incredibly thick, so twisty and, you know, twirly, you don't even know where you're going sometimes. Um, mm. So it'd be, it is a great hiding area spot for anything. Oh yeah, totally. And the rest of that interview, Jack goes on to talk about more about his documentary, which is based on uh, a couple from the uh, skunk ape episode from uh, season one of Finding Bigfoot, which is very interesting. It's a, it's a short documentary, uh, but it is very well put together. You definitely want to check out that on his YouTube channel. I've got that linked in the show notes. In our uh, other portion of our other installment of Science vs. Cryptozoology uh, for the month of February, I had the uh, privilege of interviewing Dr. Haskell Hart about DNA and all sorts of good stuff. It's a very intense interview. I learned a lot. Uh, also, well, uh, it, it gets very interesting. Um, the, the most interesting part to me, though, is when we had a discussion about uh, him growing up in Bigfoot. And uh, it gets pretty interesting, as, as you'll see in uh, a few minutes. And as far as Bigfoot, I mean, um, well, I remember when the Patterson-Gimlin film came out in 1967. Oh, my goodness. Really? And, well, I wow. was, I'm 77 years old, so I'm... I'm no, most, you're... No. Most of you, most of you folks were born then. <laughs> so, um, uh, of course, by then, I, I was um, just about to get my first job, and... Mm -hmm. uh, so that interested me, but I really didn't follow the field that much over the years. Occasionally I'd read an article that came out, somebody saw something or whatever. I mean, it just, it, it blows my mind when I'm able to talk to people that can remember when the Patterson Gimlin film came out. That to me is very special. Uh, you'll see, uh, you'll see something similar to that happen uh, in an upcoming interview, and I won't spoil what I'm talking about, but it is coming up um, in a few weeks. You'll see. You'll see. Um, again, Dr. Hart has a uh, book about his uh, uh, studying um, DNA to do with Bigfoot. You'll have to look in the show notes to get the uh, link for that, but uh, special thanks to Dr. Haskell Hart for uh coming on and for unwrapping a very uh, hard to understand uh, topic in a way that I was able to grasp. Thank you. Moving right along, we had a um, two interviews based on the Snallygaster, which is very cool. It's a cryptid in Western Maryland, uh, kind of starting to get a little bit more buzz in the cryptozoology community, but had the opportunity to talk to uh, Risa Reyes, uh, alternative taxidermist, who has actually made a taxidermy version of the uh, Snallygaster. Uh, it's very cool. I'm going to play a portion of this interview, but uh, the video in this, in the Patreon, is the cool thing because she actually, like, shows up us, us up close and uh, how the different parts uh, 
put together and all. It, it's fascinating, really. So go ahead and check this out. Yeah. Do you want? Do you want to see it? Totally. Yeah. If you wouldn't yeah. mind, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I actually um, have uh, the presentation that I gave at the competition that I can read you because it can, kind of like condenses down a short description of like what the Snallygaster is, like what it's I up to, and then like leads into kind of what I have done with um, with the lore. So that would be amazing. Cool. Um, so around 1730, German immigrants in the Maryland DC area told tales of a fearsome monster that would terrorize the countryside, murdering livestock, draining them of their blood and even snatching up children that dared to misbehave. To protect themselves from anyone or anything that might, have, might do them harm, they would paint seven pointed stars on their barns and hope to keep the monster at bay. They called it Der Schnellgeist, which translates to quick ghost. Um, Schnellgeist then changed to Snallygaster and rumors of the terrible creature soon began to flow. The Snallygaster was described as a half bird, half lizard, dragon-like creature with long talons and elongated beak and with razor sharp teeth. Some reports of the monster describe it with either three eyes or one eye, but always with one eye in the middle of its forehead and even more curious, sometimes depicted with tentacles. Mm. Around the 1900s, the lore of the Snallygaster really took off. President Teddy Roosevelt, one of the country's most notable big game hunters at the time, saw a newspaper article reporting that there had been a Snallygaster sighting in Maryland. Intrigued with the notion that he could possibly take down a creature that no man had yet been able to capture, he contemplated uh, delaying an excursion to Africa in hopes of finding the monster himself. The newspaper article later proved to be a hoax to sell more newspapers. When alcohol became illegal, tales of the Snallygaster became very prevalent. On one hand, it was a warning to bootleggers that a monster would find them out. And on the other hand, loud explosions in the hills could be blamed on the Snallygaster and de definitely not some illegal moonshine still exploding. So if you happen to find yourself driving down a Maryland country road and see a seven pointed star on the side of a barn, hide your whiskey because there's a Snallygaster around. That is so, so, cool. so that is like quick little, little Snallygaster primer. And it's actually sitting right behind me. So awesome. Um, in my preparation, first thing is since there were tales of Snallygaster like getting drunk on moonshine stills, I did like a little little barrel with a seven pointed star on there, so you can very cool keep your, keep your alcohol safe. <laughs> um, but here we go. It's kind of big, oh, so wow. hopefully I can get it all in here. That is so cool. There we go. Wow. So we're going. Gonna try and give you like a nice 360 without whacking myself in the face. <laughs> Man. So it's really awesome. And I'm getting a little sunlight here because the iridescence on the feathers are like super awesome. It's it's black, but it's got a really nice like gold sheen to it. Wow. And then let's see if we can do like a close-up on the head. Oh my goodness. That is intense. How so cool this is one that? I chose. So I chose um, three eyes 
because I had, I actually had these um, albino eyes hanging out and I was like, I just need to use them up. So we'll do that. But the Snallygaster's body is a chicken that used to live on a chicken farm. Um, and essentially like I didn't have to do too much. The tail was sculpted. The scales are made out of um, like black duct tape cut out. Okay. Everything painted to try and match, you know, the feathers, um, the tentacles. Uh, so the reason I chose the tentacles to come out of the body and not the mouth mm. is I tried not to look at too many artists' rendition okay. of what is already out there. Because um, if you do look at like Google Snallygaster, you see roughly like the same body type and the mm -hmm. tentacles like coming out of their mouths, right? So yep. connecting uh, the folklore to like zoology and natural history, like in my mind, the Snallygaster is flying around. He keeps these tentacles like tucked up in his body until he's ready to like shoot him down and pick up, you know, a kid or a cow. Right. Um, the tentacles oh, are actually modeled after like the squid's grabby arms. Oh, and yeah, not totally. so much. Uh, such a fun interview with uh, Risa, uh, alternative taxidermist. Um, she also goes, uh, shows off some really other cool specimens that she's made over the years so that is a fun fun video interview i've gone ahead and linked her instagram and uh, website if you want to try to see some uh, pictures of what uh, we're talking about in that snippet there i also had the privilege of talking to uh, an author from maryland um, susan fair and she's uh, written a book, uh, the title of which is uh, do, 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 do. Mysteries and Lore of Western Maryland, Snallygaster's Dogmen and Other Mountain Tales. And it is a really fantastic book. I'm going to have the link for uh, that book in the show notes. It's uh, college classroom quality. Uh, I've look through a copy myself that she sent out it's very cool very cool but i'm going to go ahead and uh link a uh actually put a snippet of her interview uh coming up right now um in another part of american history as well which would be mm -hmm. the prohibition era correct yes yep um he uh, sort of made his appearance um, as prohibition, um, you know, was coming upon America. And um, he died um, a, um, uh, an alcohol-related death um, at the end of prohibition. <laughs> And um, in 1932, that was when he made the second appearance. And um, he didn't last long. He couldn't resist a um, big vat of moonshine that was being cooked up in um, here in Maryland. And it drowned in the moonshine. I'm going to end out this episode with a special mini interview uh, with Robert Robinson, um, Originally was just going to have him on to talk to the Patreon about 
the Skunk Ape, which there is a very intense interview with Robert in the Patreon about the Skunk Ape, and he knows his stuff, and you really wouldn't want to miss that. But um, I want him to talk. Uh, he's going to share specifically about his books, about legend tripping, and he also uh, have him share about the Dog Man, which is kind of new to this podcast. So it's it's about a 20-minute uh, 20 minute or so interview i think that'll be good to to finish this episode with and uh definitely will link his books in the uh uh this show notes but uh we're gonna end with that thank you for for listening all to this extra episode i'm gonna start putting these in again at the end of each month and um just sharing with you what's kind of behind the curtain in the bigfoot society patreon uh, uh thanks for listening guys All right. Well, thanks for coming back to the Bigfoot Society podcast. I have uh, the privilege of having my new friend, uh, Robert Robinson, correct, uh, yes. from Florida. And uh, he's got a lot going on. Um, actually, do you mind if I have you kind of introduce yourself, Robert? Uh, what are the things you want people to know about yourself? You've got a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Okay. Um, I call myself a legend tripper. Uh, which uh, the reason that came about is uh, I was into the whole uh, cryptozoology thing and my wife was into ghost hunting. She would come out with me and I would go with her on ghost hunts. She didn't want to be called a monster hunter and I didn't want to be called a ghost hunter. So we found a happy medium called legend tripping, which we also do the UFO thing as well. We both. Oh, wow. It was MUFON. And it just kind of kept the door open to everything. Go look for it. And um, I've written a couple books on the subject. First one is Legend Tripping, uh, which came out in 2017, and is basically a guidebook on how to go look for these legends. You know, I do a oh, whole cool. section on cryptozoology, and I actually de dedicate a whole chapter to Bigfoot. And you'll kind of sense my love for looking for this creature in my book. And I do a whole section on haunted houses, buried treasure, UFOs and UFO landings like Roswell. Wow. And I go over uh, some of the stuff you need to take out there. I talk about some of the state laws that you need to be aware of. And uh, I talk about uh, organizations out there to get in touch with. And I talk about some of the, you know, very famous legend trippers out there, like Ivan T. Sanderson and, and um, you know, John Keel, uh, to name a few, Lauren Coleman. And, uh, well, the book, the, the book did really well. And uh, my publisher, uh, David Hatcher Childress, he's one of the hosts on the TV show Ancient Aliens. Which, oh, uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, and like I tell you, he is the secret behind my books. I tell you, I mean, the, really? You know, he, oh, yeah. He is the, my guiding force because, you, you, you know, his bottom line says you got to keep the book, book focused. Once you go off to, you know, because I did do a book on legend tripping, but it turned out my first one with a different publisher. And it turned more into, I was going into about parents, you know, getting their kids away from video games and getting them out. Sure, doing, sure. And he said, you missed the mark. You went off into parenting, you know, where kids don't pick mm. up, a book. you know, they didn't pick up your book to, to tell them they're, you know, they're crappy parents. They want to know <laughs> how to go look for Bigfoot. So right. he said, let's redo your book and let's do it the right way. And I said, absolutely. So we put it out, did really well. And he came to me and said, okay, I want a sequel. <laughs> wow. He says, any ideas? I said, well, I don't know. So I went home and I was thinking about it. And I said, well. You know, we did legend trip in the United States. I said, wait a minute, we got the whole world out there and there's all plenty totally. of cryptids out there, you know? 
So I went and started researching some, and I, you know, my mother's from uh, from Scotland, so I do, I grew on and off over in Great Britain growing up. So I've, you know, I've been over there times, and of course, being in the military, I've been over to Germany and Italy and stuff. So I started researching, and I found out that you know these uh, creature-like Bigfoot creatures, they're seen all over the world. I mean, they're basically I, the only place I can't find one is Hawaii. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you go over to uh, Southeast Asia, you know, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia and all that. And they have had sightings of these type of creatures for centuries, you know. And of course, Australia has the Yowie. Um, you know, China has a Yaren. And uh, up in Russia and, that, you know, Scandinavia, they have the uh, Almista or the Alma. Oh, and yeah. It's just incredible, yeah. you know. And then there has been sightings in Germany and Italy of these type creatures, too. I mean, it's just I was really taken back how these animals have been, you know, in South America and all kinds of places that these things have seen. Uh, of course, haunted places, you know. I mean, oh, my God. You know, I could believe how many haunted places. I, you know, I always thought England had the most haunted places, but doing my research, I kind of think it might be Australia now. <laughs> you know? Oh, really? I've never heard that. That's really interesting. It, it does. It's, it's some really interesting places out there. And a lot of them, huh. are, they're, and there's, and you know, with uh, the popularity of ghost hunting shows, there's, there's ghost True. hunting groups in every country. And a lot of them, you know, you get in touch with them. When I was doing my book, they were wholehearted, you know, very helpful. Hey, what do you need? What do you need to put in your book? Yeah. And got a hold of the Ghost Club, which is the oldest ghost club in the world, based out of England. And, uh, you know, they invited me to join. And then I told them what I was doing. And they said, hey, do you need anything? You need any info? Let us know. And then I did some research on UFOs. Again, you know, and there's been other crash sightings besides Roswell. And there's been some places, you know, uh, mysterious places, you know, cursed places, which I thought was pretty cool. You know, besides the Skinwalker Ranch, which oh, I, yeah. I do go over to Skinwalker Ranch in my first book, Legend Tripping. Oh, you do? And, and, That's uh, cool. And when I did the research, of course, I'm, I was in Florida. I called over there and I talked to that one gentleman, that doctor that owned it prior to the uh, the lawyer that bought it now. And we oh, yeah. talked for about an hour on the phone and he was telling me all kinds of stuff. And I said, can I put this in my book? He goes, absolutely. But you just called up the guy and he started talking to you? Well, it, it started with there had e to have been some connection there. It had to start with an email. And again, you know, oh, yeah, email is the way. Yeah, it's the way, man. And, yeah, totally. And then, you know, again, he was a little, you know, like, you know, I, I guess, some, you know, some of these people I've talked to, they're a little hesitant and thinking, are you one of those um, cynical cynics that gets on there and talks to them? And mm. I said, no, you know, I'm one of those people who, uh, you know, I have a healthy interest in this stuff, you know? Wow. Yep. Uh, and he just was telling me about some of the stuff, which I did put in my book. And he, you know, and also about what I said, hey, you know, people come out there and he said, well, this is what you got to do to come out there. But again, this is the doctor that owned it first. He no longer owns right. it. Right. It's just a lawyer now. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Brandon Fugel. Yep. Yep. Which are probably out there still, you know, filming another episode of that TV show. I understand probably. It. Yeah. Who knows? Um, yeah. I did Buried Treasure. Which you know, Oak Island, of course, is the famous one out there now. But I mean, oh know, yeah, you know, uh, you got the Superstition Mountains in Arizona, um, Florida, which still has the record of the most uh, buried treasure not recovered yet. I bet out of any of the states, you know. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I touched on some of the other things like magnetic hills. You know, the places where you know your magnetic car will go up hills. hill. 
Oh, I mean, yeah, I, right. I, I mean, it probably is a uh, optical illusion. I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> probably, but it, <laughs> well, we have one here in Florida called Spook Hill. And I remember okay. the kid going to it. It said, oh, it, we really feel like we're going uphill. But they've paved the road so many times that it seems it doesn't really have that effect that it used to have. Oh, that's weird. Okay. Um, yeah. The UFO thing. And again, I go into it. I went over with the new book, International Legend Tripping. I had to go over international law with people, you know, especially treasure hunting. Um, mm. And, I, you know, I found all these groups and then I put them in my book. Um, I've talked about a couple of gentlemen that I saw on YouTube who do the bushcrafting, which uh, oh, yeah. one of them goes out and he does a. Uh, he does his little camps near haunted places in England, which is really, really cool. And uh, um, I guess, well, I don't know if my book's really doing that good. I just, I guess with this pandemic, you know, you know. I mean, it sounds fascinating. Like, I always tell people my good, my book's good for making a bucket list with this whole pandemic thing. Going totally. On. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask something similar to that. Is there a, is there like a number one uh, thing in one of your books that you uh, that you want to do, or or do you have a whole list? Or well, if I had an opportunity, and I say it's the top of my bucket list, would be definitely mm-hmm. to go to Nepal and look for the Yeti. Oh yeah. I mean, I've watched some of those videos over Josh Gates when he went to go look. I was so envious of him watching. Him oh yeah, that. right. And uh, you know, again, this is another creature, you know, that people continually still see and that and the people in the area believe in this animal you know there was a a, a book written by an italian um uh, ex, uh mountain climber and about his search for the yeti but it's you know he, the end he comes he tried kind of convince you that it was nothing more than a bear but he made mm. some comments when he was out there they heard the thing whistling and i was like Weird. bears don't whistle you know not to my knowledge Right. You know, I did ask some biologists and some, you know, zoologists do bears whistle, and it was not that I've ever heard a whistle. So I mean, I don't know. This book, he hears something out there, you know, keeping up with him, and it whistles. But then, in the end, toward the end of the book, he goes over and says he, he thinks it was a bear, and I'm like, you know. And John Keel's book, back to Jado, uh, he, you know, he went on a, a looking for the yeti when he was over there mm-hmm. in that part of the world too. So, I mean, that, 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 that's the top of my bucket list. If that I had sounds pretty solid, man. Man, that's cool. So you've got the original Legend Tripping book. You've got the sequel. Uh, so you got the two books right now. I actually have a first one before that, but I'll tell you from another book. Oh, right, right. But I don't really push that one because it was a lesson on how to write a book. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a gotcha. lot of things wrong with it, and I, I, don't, I can't even pick it up and look at it now. I mean, I didn't have the right publisher. She's a nice person, but she just she just wanted to put a book out. Whereas when I got with David, uh, he he his you know his, it's his passion too. So mm-hmm. I mean, he was putting his two cents in and say, hey, I like this. Go with this. Now let's go in this direction, you know, and take yeah, this yeah. part out. We don't need this part in. And uh, you know, having him as a publisher and as a uh, editor, you know, I, I he's a secret behind my books. That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, do you mind if we, I, I found it very interesting in your bio uh, and you'll have to fill in the, the title here, but you are the Florida rep for a dog man centered organization. Is that yes, correct? correct. Yes, yeah. Tell me, let's talk about that for a bit. Cause um, that's very interesting to me. Well, I've uh, always been a fan of Linda Godfrey's book, the beast of Bray yes. Road. 
and yep. I've read her other books. And I got to meet her over at CryptoCon. Me and her sat down. She's her, so nice. Me and her husband sat down for quite a bit of time talking over it. And yeah. I got in touch with the organization and found out they didn't have a Florida rep. So mm. we looked for somebody. Because, you know, if you get any, you know, dogman sightings, I, you know, they have to have somebody to, to bring the sightings to. So I said, yeah, I'll be more than happy to do it. There has been a couple of them, but there haven't been really good sightings. I mean, okay. a, a hairy hand coming up through a window and stuff. We haven't really. Right. Um, not to say there are not out there. You know, then again, the Seminoles have a belief of a uh, of a bipedal wolf out there, too. So oh, really? Oh, wow. Uh, but again, that they they haven't said that animal. They haven't seen that animal in a long time. Okay. Um, now, uh, do I believe it? it you know, I get asked, you so you believe in werewolves? I said, I didn't know. Werewolf is a fictional character where a person, you know, turns into a wolf by the, you know, a full moon. That's sure, a werewolf. Sure. A yeah. dogman is a, a bipedal canine type creature. Mm. It has been seen from various locations. And it has been seen all over the world again. Again, yeah. it's been seen down in South America. So again, oh, it's, really? not, yeah, it's not just isolated here in the United States. There's been uh, dogman sightings all over the world. You know, there's been one seen in England back in, uh, I can't remember, wow. the, it's in my book. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, these creatures have been seen all over. So, I mean, people can't be imagining this. You know, I mean, maybe one or two mm -hmm. maybe identification. But the amount of sightings I'm getting is just, there's something there. There's yeah. some kind of a, a, a creature. Um, what it is, I don't know. I hope sometime I get a, a, a report of a sighting where I can get down there and, and or up there, whatever, you know, wherever location is and investigate it and really look into it because I think there's something to it and looking at, you know, talking to Linda about it, you know, I mean, she went in it when she wrote her book as a skeptic, just, she was just a, a newspaper reporter. Yep, exactly. And after just looking at all the evidence, she said, holy cow, there really is something to this, you know? So again, I'm the same way. I just, you know, I'm looking into it. The more you read, you're saying, hmm, there's something to this. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope we get a sighting down here in Florida, a really good one where I can, you know, jump in my vehicle and go investigate it. It'd be great. Totally. As of right now, we've only, you know, to my knowledge, and I haven't had any uh, in a while, there's only been two sightings and they weren't really good 100% sightings. Oh. And I've had some people say, are you sure this is not a Bigfoot, you know? It might be, but you know, the persons, you know, looking at some of the sightings, you know, Bigfoots do not have, you know, protruding ears exactly. with a mouth coming out, you know, with a, a canine, you know, so. Oh man. Oh, I, I, it just, Bigfoot is one thing, but for some reason, just to, to know that there's like a um, canine standing upright that just like that's that weirds me out, man. I don't know what it is. And you know, and you know, unlike Bigfoot, which you know, when it's usually seen, it's seen running away. These animals, you know, there's reports of these animals being aggressive, highly aggressive. So, and I tell people in my book, you know, you need, you know, be careful when you go out looking for a dog, man, because you know, this isn't going to be a dog. I mean, this thing isn't going to walk up waggling its tail at you and just, you know, lick your hand. I mean. It can get, you know, this animal is probably going to be pretty aggressive. Wow. So I'm going to ask a question and I think I already know the answer. So hopefully it doesn't come across silly, but 
you know, with Bigfoot, you've got the, the Patterson Gimlin film and that's what everyone thinks of. Is there a, something that everyone thinks of when it comes to Dogman? Some, uh, no, none of it that I, um, know that hasn't really been in dispute. Okay. I mean, there's been pictures, mm. um, but to my knowledge, I, I don't believe there's been a film out there as of yet. There was one that turned out it was uh, featured in the sh- uh, TV show uh, Monster Quest when it turned out it was just a gentleman with a ghillie suit on. Which oh, made, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a very <laughs> impressive piece of film. Wow. And, you know, it's almost too good to be true. And then, you know, later yeah. on, comes, the guy comes over and says, yeah, I'm the one who did it. Here's how I did it. And you're like, oh, man. Oh, uh, that's a bummer, that would have been That would have been the... Yeah. You know, the you know the, what is it the, the smoking gun of uh dog totally, yeah this been yeah. a real one uh but you know there's more i will say there are more people out there looking for bigfoot and the dog man and uh, you know other things than there was before oh, so really? it's inevitable okay. it's gonna ha- you know we're gonna get some i think we're gonna get some good evidence eventually mm. you know? i you know so i mean i'm hoping you know Oh yeah, totally. Have you found that um, just from from what you know about the subject that um, dogman sightings could f- happen in the same area as Bigfoot? Or I've heard some people are like they kind of have their territories. Or have you heard anything about about that before? Um, I try. Uh, well, the area where I uh, I've looked at the reports. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to be of any Bigfoot sightings where the dogman has been seen. Oh, interesting. And of course, where the Bigfoot has been seen, there has been no reports of dogman. I may be wrong on that one, okay? Because I haven't read every yeah, no report problem. out there, and I don't want to fear that I'm... Right, right. Because <laughs> I always tell everybody, I'm not an expert. You know, I'm not, you know, I hear people say, oh, I'm a Bigfoot on expert. I'm, yeah, I'm an expert on Bigfoot. No, you're not. You know, and I'll give an example. Jane Goodall is an expert on gorillas. True. You go to her and say, show me some gorillas. She will show you some gorillas. Oh, she yeah. will take you out there and show you. Now, yeah. if I come up and say I'm a Bigfoot expert, I should be able to show you a Bigfoot. Right. Now, I, I consider myself a top researcher in sightings and stuff, investigating. But, mm-hmm. you know, we still don't know what this animal is. We don't know what the dog man is. You know, everything's speculative right now, you know. But I definitely, you know, I have a passion for it. I love, you know, I, I, I don't ever shoo any sighting away until I go out and investigate it. And, mm. I, you know, I, and I, I do interview the people. If I have some doubt, I'll interview them about three times because usually if they're lying, a person lying can't tell a, the same story three times straight without. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, totally. I learned that as an MP when a person's lying. Oh, okay. And I, you know, and I, um, I've met people who have seen, you know, going back to Bigfoot who I mm. held, you know, and it's amazing because they'll tell you everything they did that day to down to a T. Um, off the subject a little bit from the dog man, I had a lady who saw, you know, I was out with another gentleman uh, down in the place called Treasure uh, near um, the um, Crystal River. Mm. And we went into a restaurant and the lady, the manager knew we were out there looking for Bigfoot. She goes, you may want to go talk to that couple over there. I think they saw something this morning. And oh, this no was in way. the morning. Oh, and I cool. look over and I see this couple sitting with camouflage on and she's crying and she's kind of yelling at her husband. And he's like, oh, looking no. around like, baby, keep it down. You know, people look at Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I said, should we go over there? And my the guy I was with, I don't know, man. She looks upset. I said, she don't know. Let's go over and ask. 
you know, the worst thing she'll tell us is to leave her alone. We'll yeah, right. Sure. Leave her alone. So I walk up to her and I said, I introduced myself. I said, ma'am, I understand you may have seen a Bigfoot. And she goes, I told you. And she's pointing at her husband. I told you that was a Bigfoot. I told you that was a Bigfoot. And she's burst out crying. And she's like, and, you know, it took a while. But what happened was this is her first time out hunting. And her yeah. husband took her and stuck her in a tree stand. And he went and went into another tree stand. She sat up there and up there and she fell asleep. And she felt something tugging on the ladder and she looked down and she saw a large hairy creature with a very human looking face. Whoa. It was very lean. It looked like a, it looked like a, she said, it looked like a Bigfoot in very good shape, <laughs> you know, very oh, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was staring up at her and she was looking at it. It was looking at her. And she said, she doesn't know how long they stared at each other. And then she just started screaming bloody murder for her husband. And she oh, said, man. the animal just walked off, didn't run off and walked off. And then her husband come up and they said it took him a while to get her to get off the tree stand and get her back in on the boat. And of course, I couldn't get him to show me where it was because she wasn't going back out there. But uh, the, the whole point I'm getting at is the detail in this lady, uh, her story, and it never wavered. And every time she answered every question without hesitation, it never was like, uh, uh. she knew the answers right off the bat. Wow. I mean, and I, in my opinion, this lady saw something that she, you know, and it wasn't a bear. And same thing with that gentleman I told you who was sitting in the tree stand over in uh, Thanksgiving. Mm. People, when they see these things and really see them, there is no doubt. And it, it, it really messes with them. And, and I, I was talking to a, uh, a professor about it. And he said, it's, it's that you grow up and you get told there's no boogeyman. There's nothing under your bed. There's nothing in the closet. Yet you go out in the woods and there's this large, hairy, monster-looking creature and it really messes with your head to see this animal. And, oh, my God, it's real. It's mm. not the stories. It's not a guy in a suit. It's a real creature. Yeah. And it really messes with you. Wow. You know, I mean, a lot of the people, like I said, I've talked to, again, who've really had it. It's in a very emotional experience for them. I bet. Yeah. And, again, that's mm. one way I, I can find out if a person, in my opinion, is mm. making it up versus somebody who really saw something. Wow. Oh man, that is cool. Like, man, if the stuff that we've been talking about is any indication about what's in those two books, I would say, man, you got to get those two books. So, um, I definitely have, uh, the links for those in the, the show notes, uh, for this, but thank you so much, uh, Robert for, for coming on and, and hanging out. It's been really fun, really fun. Absolutely. And uh, I hope our uh, our paths cross again someday. Keep safe down there in Florida. Um, oh, can, you, can you let <laughs> yeah right? Can you let the listeners know real quick, like if they want to keep up to date with what you're doing, how can they best uh, do that? Well, I, I'm I'm bringing my website, International Legend Trippers, up. I have a friend of mine who's working on it on my blog. Okay. Uh, it's still it isn't up and running yet, but mm -hmm. I I'm very active on Facebook under Robert Robinson Legend Tripper. Okay. And again, if you have any side or stories you want to tell me, I'd, I'd love to hear them. Um, regardless of where you're located, it doesn't have to be Florida. It can be anywhere. You know, I love hearing nice. stories. Um, nice. Uh, my book, uh, well, both my books, Legend Tripping, The Ultimate Adventure, and International Legend Tripping, Adventure Outside the Box, are both available on Amazon and or from my publisher, Adventures Unlimited Press. Awesome. And, uh, you know, hopefully with the, when this pandemic thing goes away, we'll have some more conferences and I can making oh, yeah, totally. these conferences and I'll, you know, bring my books out to sell. And, you know, if you've already bought one, bring it out and I'll sign it. There and you I'd go. Love, you know, love to sit down and talk about cryptozoology. 
Awesome. Hey, that sounds like a good deal, man. Robert, thanks so much for, for coming on and uh, listeners. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Have a great rest of your day, y'all.